of Creators in Saigon with me, Dana. I am an American expat, kind of stumbling through life with my bestie and co-host, Alam, who is a Saigon local and my mentor in life, as well as so many other people's spiritual mentors. She's like about to cry right now. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't expect it that, Dana. <laughs> I told you what was going to happen. That's so sweet. <laughs> oh, yes. And uh, so together on this podcast, we chat with the coolest creatives in Saigon to uncover truths about life and finding our purpose and passion and really just discovering who we are. Um, and before we dive into introducing this next guest, I actually wanted to take a moment to appreciate one particular listener who is always super, super active on our Instagram page, Creators in Saigon. Her Instagram handle is Jade. And I just wanted to thank her because she is always commenting on our posts, liking our posts, sharing um, sharing about the podcast on her Instagram. And I am just so grateful for her. It means so much to me when people share about the podcast. Um, and she also takes really amazing photos on her Instagram of... Uh, local Vietnamese people just kind of in their day-to-day life. It's kind of like day-in-the-life snapshots is how I would describe it. So again, her Instagram is at Taylor T-A-Y-L-A, Jade, J-A-D-E. So thank you. I think her name is TJ, she says on her Instagram page. So thank you so much, TJ. All right, and now to introduce our next guest for today, he is Mr. John Dewhurst. Is that correct? How do yeah, you say your last name? Dewhurst. It's Dewhurst. I almost said with a J sound, but uh, do you, like morning dew. Morning dew. Morning dew, Dewhurst. Dewhurst. Or as my boss used to say, the worst. <laughs> John Dewurst. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. Um, so John is an English teacher in Saigon, like so many of us, and he is originally from England. And so far, John, you've lived in three different continents in the last 10 years. That's correct. That is awesome. And you arrived in Vietnam in 2016. And after completing his master's in psychology, John went to Canada in search of adventure and new beginnings and left with an entrepreneurial spirit that has stayed with him ever since. We love that. Uh, And along the journey, there have been some important moments for him that have really shaped and redirected his path, despite seeming inconsequential at the time. So that last point is super relevant because our topic today is about these important moments, these pivotal moments that shape us. So it's the ones where when you when you look back from here to back then and think about how you got to where you are today, 
you can kind of point back to those specific moments and be like, that's when everything changed or that's when I learned this really important life lesson. So Lam and I have also taken some time to think about our own moments in our life like these to share with you today. Um, And of course, John wouldn't be on the show if he didn't have any creative endeavors going on. This is Creators in Saigon. So we will also be talking about his creative projects too, uh, one of which he just kicked off. So that's super, super exciting. So John, I want to ask you, how was Canada? <laughs> I loved Canada. My, I still say my heart is still in Canada. Wow. I moved there straight, pretty much straight after I finished university just because I didn't want to start real life yet. <laughs> so I, like I said, I wanted to have some adventures. A lot of people from England, they go to Australia and I didn't want to do the same thing everyone else does. Mm. So I thought, well, I wanted to go to an English speaking country. So I thought Canada would be the best bet. I moved to Vancouver. I don't know if you guys have seen pictures of Vancouver, but it's one of the most beautiful places in the whole world. Oh. It's crazy beautiful. And when I moved there with my little brother, but he didn't stay long, and I just I fell into a social group full of people who had that entrepreneurial spirit, the kind of people that would like talk about their goals. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really like that before, but those people really pushed that made that happen for me Mm -hmm. they say that um you are the sum of the of the five people you spend most of your time with yes and spending my time with them created this spark in me that has stayed in me Mm -hmm. for the rest of my life and i hope it stays in me for the rest of my life because i love it and it's that spark of like okay what can i do to be creative how can i take the thoughts in my head the feelings in my heart and put them into something that other people can enjoy mm-hmm. and benefit from yeah so that's why i mean that's I, I love canada because one it's beautiful two the people are really friendly but mainly it's the social group i had there and i was really lucky to fall into that group yeah that's awesome i love it it's funny cuz as an American, I feel like I'm kind of trained to have not a hatred, but kind of it's like a rivalry, you know, like a sibling rivalry. And there's always all these jokes about Canada and Canadians. <laughs> and does Did it seem like in Canada they kind of had that same thing towards Americans? To be honest, we didn't really I didn't really talk about Americans a lot with Canadians yeah. um, because I'm British. I guess I heard more about Canadians' opinions on British Uh. rather than Americans. (laughs) Uh, I do understand that. Mm -hmm. And I'm a big fan of South Park. Oh, okay, yeah. You know South Park with Terrence and Philip. So (laughs) I understand that that humor and the rivalry. We kind of have it in England with Wales and Scotland. Okay. uh, Like a little rivalry. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not, not like serious. a not serious. You don't yeah. hate each other, it's, but right. it's like you use it almost as a bonding experience exactly. to make jokes about each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Like I, I totally want to go to Canada someday. <laughs> Definitely not a Canada hater. Um, yeah. It looks it looks gorgeous. I have seen pictures. Oh my gosh, amazing. And what were you doing there? I because I left straight from university. And I did my master's. And I was quite young when I finished. I think when I finished my master's, I was turning 22. 
And when I went, I just kind of wanted to just get a job because, first of all, I had to pay rent. Yeah. So I worked retail for a bit. And then I ended up working in uh, sales for a, a dating organization. Okay. It's like uh, an events company. And every there's an event planner. And every day there's an event, anything from karaoke all the way through to like skydiving. Whoa. Yeah. And the event planner will plan all the events. And it's like, it's for single people. So you have to be a member to join. I feel like I'm advertising this. <laughs> I'm not going to say the name because otherwise yeah. I'm ad- it's like a commercial. Yeah. Um, so it was like $2,000 a year. So it's expensive. To be a member. Yeah. It's expensive. But my job was people would come in for like a one-on-one interview to see if they could join the club. How do, you, how do you determine that? Do they Are they going to pay me? <laughs> <laughs> really, I mean, the process was more a get to know you. I and mean, we don't want people who are in the club for the wrong reasons because like one bad apple in the events. Yeah. I mean, people are paying a lot of money to be there. You don't want people who are just there for the wrong reasons, you know. So we'd have this really long one hour conversation where they would just tell me everything about their dating life. Wow. So I would just sit there and just, oh, that's so interesting. It almost sounds like kind of like The Bachelor. (laughs) Yeah, it was a really interesting job just because I would just hear all the gossip about people's dating past. Oh. So that that was a really good job. That was fun. And that that job was really valuable because the people I worked with, I learned so much about sales Mm. and about, uh, I guess, persuasion and communicating with people and Say, if someone's giving you like a surface level answer, how to go a bit deeper. Mm. And I think that's a valuable skill. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Especially probably for your project, which I want to talk about now, your YouTube channel that you just released. So can you tell the audience um, what the channel is, what it's about, a little background about that? So and what it's called. <laughs> the name of the channel is V N Y O, so V N Y O or Vietnam Yo. Mm-hmm. So like Mo Hai Ba Yo. Yeah, and <laughs> um, that was the original idea, but then I found out that Yo is spelled D O, not Y O. <laughs> but I kind of stu- I stuck with it because um, Yo obviously means Hey in English. Yo, oh, right, Yo, right. man. Like Yo. Yeah. Exactly. So I thought Vietnam Yo could be like Mo Hai Ba Yo, or it could be like Hey Vietnam. Right. So I kind of like the short names like V N Yo, V N Y O. Um, the, the inspiration for this channel came because I really love watching these videos like um, there's one in Korea called Solfa, yeah. S-O-L-F-A. Okay. And there's also the ones everyone knows like uh, Kids React, Teens React on YouTube and like Cut, you know Cut where they have like uh, they get a lineup and you got to match the job to the person. Oh, that no. kind of thing. Oh, it's a really I just know, great channel. I've just seen on Snapchat sometimes they have like, I think it's called Confessions or something where they, yes. they put people at a table and they both are drinking and they have to like, it'll be like two exes, ex-boyfriend, girlfriend or something. And they have to answer awkward, embarrassing questions like, 
what was something about our sex that you liked or didn't like or something. And if the other person doesn't want to answer, then they have to take a shot instead. And then by the end of it, they're both like super drunk. Coming soon to V and Yo. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's cut. That's exactly cut's cut. And there's Jubilee as well. And they all do the same thing where they take normal people. The channel is not about one singular person. The actual creators of the channel are behind the camera. And that's what I wanted to do as well. I wanted to make a channel about other people. Mm-hmm. And kind of like you experienced it when you were filming, just point, take the camera, point, and ask questions, and then let people's personalities come out. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted to do. Because the reason I decided to start it, there's a lot of channels like this already. But I, when I moved to Vietnam, I love watching these videos And I searched for these videos with Vietnamese people. And there are channels similar to it, but they're in Vietnamese with no English subtitles. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, I'd have no idea what they're saying. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, what better way to to do it than to make it myself? Because I've always thought if you are making something you would like to watch or use, then it's always going to be much better Mm -hmm. because you are the audience. So that's why I decided to make it Mm -hmm. for that reason, mainly because I wanted to watch it. I have Vietnamese friends and I have no idea what they're saying. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of a window into a Vietnamese conversation. Yeah. And I love that because I've I've been in coffee shops with my friends before and we're sitting there like, oh, I wish I wish we could understand the conversations happening around us. Like, I'm sure I'm sure they're talking about similar things to us. Um, And you kind of just wonder like, oh, what's that group of Vietnamese teenagers talking about? And this is so cheesy, but I feel like it kind of brings us all closer together because when you can't understand someone, you can't like fully connect with them. But when once you finally do understand what they're saying, it's it's like, oh, like we are we are all just human, like as cheesy as that is. But like we are all just human and we have the same fears, have the same wants and needs and things like that so I really enjoyed the um, video about the Vietnamese stereotypes because it was Vietnamese talking about like answering questions that they probably get often about Vietnamese stereotypes and I could you know read the subtitles and understand what they were saying. I don't know if they get these questions often just because Stereotypes are a strange one because they can cause controversy Mm -hmm. because they are rooted in prejudice. Right. But I think that what I wanted to do with that was some of them like Vietnamese people eat pho every day. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows Vietnamese people don't eat pho every day. However, Everyone here knows. Yeah, everyone here knows. However, if you go to any restaurant in America or Canada or England, it's pho. Yep. Just pho, mm-hmm. right? So it's kind of like fish and chips with English people. It's like when you think about Vietnamese food, you think about pho. So I wanted to ask that question just to get them talking about pho. Mm-hmm. And is it actually the biggest food or not? Yeah. And a lot of the questions were based on kind of preconceived notions of what Vietnamese people are like. Yep. And I wanted them to talk about that and kind of break down whether they are actually true. Mm -hmm. For example, 
Vietnamese people are scared of the sun. I genuinely believe that's true. <laughs> just because when I go on the street, you see everyone head to toe. Yes. It's 35 degrees <laughs> and people are wearing jeans, a hoodie, gloves, a face mask, sunglasses, yeah. a helmet. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sweating in shorts. So mm-hmm. how you are coping in all these clothes? And I think that comes from, one, obviously, protecting the skin and also not wanting to, uh, to get darker. Mm-hmm. So I think Vietnam, though, some of them are true, and some of them Long, are. Are you are you scared of the sun? Not really. <laughs> no, weird. I I like the sun. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen you like do the full cover up, right? I will yeah. say though that when I do wear like shorts and like when my skin is all out, I'm I'm actually more hot, more like sweating than when I'm covered up. Because you're actually like protecting your skin from the sun, so it actually cools you down sometimes. That's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, how did you um, come up with these lists of questions of the stereotypes? Uh, I guess through my own ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's difficult to to know when I do a video. I just I, I'll write down as many. I'll just like brainstorm. I'll write down as many as I can. And then I'll narrow it down to the ones that I think would get the best answers and that would be the best in the video. There's a lot of questions that I thought about and then I took off the list. So those are, these are the ones that I just thought would be the most valuable and also entertaining as well. Yeah, got it, got it. Yeah, I wasn't sure if you did some kind of market research poll like, hey, everyone, I'm doing this video. What are some stereotypes that you've heard of or something? Yeah, cool. And going off of how you mentioned... Sometimes these stereotypes can kind of spark controversy. Uh, so you you released the videos on Thursday. You put them out in a bunch of Facebook groups. Did you get any kind of negative backlash? No, actually, that because um, when you release something that you've created, there is that fear in your heart that someone's going to watch it and they'll go, they'll get angry. Yep. And they'll they'll find something in it that you didn't even realize was there. And especially in this day and age on the internet, it's a massive worry that you will do something and in your mind you have the best intentions, but the way it's taken by other people is not the way you intended it. And once it's out there, you can't really backtrack and say, actually, this is what I meant. Mm-hmm. And especially with that one, I started with that video just because it's a great opener mm-hmm. for the channel it really gets gives you an idea of what the channel is going to be about but i was worried about someone say, like people saying oh this is offensive or something mm-hmm. and then i wouldn't i would be on the uh what do they say i would be on the defensive de- exactly yeah. i would be on the defensive exactly mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. but the response has been overwhelmingly positive great yeah, it's yeah. been really good. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand that feeling of putting something out there and just like holding your breath, like, oh my gosh, what are people going to say? And yeah, when when people do say like something negative, it really kind of cuts you deep in the heart. It's like, oh, like I didn't mean that or I, I put so much love and effort into this. Yeah, I, I get that. One more thing as well. What I, what I really, I guess this is, again, the internet. But what I wanted was if someone has a problem with the content, I would rather they commented about 
the content rather than the people. Mm-hmm. What I don't like is when people say negative things about the people in the videos. Yes. I hate that so much. Mm-hmm. But you can't stop it. Mm-hmm. It's just something that the internet is a living organism and you can't really prevent anything like that from happening. You just try and discourage people from talking negatively about the people in the video. If they want to say something I don't agree, that's fine. Right. But don't like say negative things about the people in the video. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I I was in the, one of the videos and it was a super fun experience. Um, I can't believe you made me eat durian. I a little bit <laughs> of durian. I think I was probably the only one who didn't really eat it. <laughs> I kind of like licked it almost in my mouth, but oh my gosh, Lam, do you like durian? Um, I can eat it, but not a fan of it. Yeah. Oh my god. Do you know I've never eaten durian? <gasps> oh my god. I'm there like making people eat durian and I'm sitting behind the camera going, yeah, like, I would not that eat that. Sucks. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, yeah. the smell didn't leave me for like right? a whole day. The smell just it just like oh. terrible. Well <laughs> you guys were you guys I think you were the first people that we shot that day. Okay. And you guys ate a durian and the second to last people ate the durian. Mm-hmm. So the durian was there the whole day. Oh my God. And that room was hot. I had to put it, it out was. in the corridor so it didn't smell the entire room, but you could still, all day, you could smell that durian. Oh my God. Yeah, that was horrible. And how did you find the people? So, of course, you found me through like the podcast, but how did you find other people to be on the video? So, with. Um, I guess recruiting people to be in the video. Um, I really wanted to create a diverse group of people. So some of them were people I know from work, working at the school, and other people I know from, I guess, online platforms. I found Wile, I think I'm saying his name correctly, Wile. Yeah, your pronunciation is pretty good. Thank you. Uh, I found him on YouTube. Because I was like, do you know what? Um, I want to get a comedian on. Because I think comedians bring that different energy to a shoot. Yes. And so I found his YouTube channel and his comedy is in English. And it's really good. Mm. I was like, this this is a lot better than the stuff I watch on Netflix, to be (laughs) honest. I love stand-up comedy. So I found him and I was like, it's it's really, really funny. So I thought, well, if he's funny in English on his, in his second language, I imagine, you know, in his first language, he's going to be great. And him and his friend were fantastic together. Yeah. Really, really, really good. Mm-hmm. To be honest, the whole, everyone that we shot was great. Yeah. And I got a little bit, people who are a little bit more shy, mm-hmm. people who are a bit more outspoken. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get a good mix of personalities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was really great. I think watching it back for me, I think the comedians would be good at understanding how you have to be even more expressive on video than you are just in normal life. And I think I didn't really realize that. And so when I looked back at my video, I'm like, come on, Dana, you're not even you're not even reacting. You're not even saying anything. That's true. But there is a video that will come out soon of you got you and Andrea talking about teaching English. Mm. And in that video, you're very expressive in that video. So. I, I, you were fine with that. <laughs> Some people, I mean, when when you're there and the it's hot because we have to turn the AC off because yeah. the AC was pointing directly onto the mics. 
we had to turn the AC off for the shoot. And then you got the lights and the camera. Mm-hmm. And you kind of, you come into this room, you sit down at a table and you're like, okay, let's go. It's very quick. You don't, you don't we, we don't really, we didn't really give people time to be comfortable just yeah. because um, everyone was in for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. So we were on a schedule. And to sit down, lights on, camera on, mics on, okay, go, be expressive. It's kind of difficult. You've got to warm up right. to it, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think everyone was great in that they kind of just switched on, mm-hmm. answered the questions, and were, were, were great in their answers, even though they were kind of thrust, I'm there if I'm spitting onto the mic, <laughs> thrust into um, this situation. Yeah, yeah. No, that's so cool. Um, what are kind of your dreams for the future of this channel? Where do you kind of see it going? I would love to be in a similar place to the popular channels out there. Like I mentioned, Cut, Jubilee, Soulfire, where I can push the uh, production to a level where I can do the the videos that I want to do in my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to do lifestyle and dating videos. I want to do videos where you get people together on a blind date. Ooh. And it's going to be all in Vietnamese again. I want to have this kind of like, I've always liked these videos where you kind of feel like you're looking into a situation where you don't normally see. So, for example, two people on a first date, obviously, you're not going to, if some people are on a first date, you can't sit and watch them on the date and listen to what they're saying. Mm-hmm. So I want to do those kind of videos where we kind of match people up and film them on the day and interview them afterwards, like a very popular TV show in England called First Dates. Mm. I love that show. And also I would like to do other things that teach people about Vietnam. So Americans watching, English people watching, Canadians, I want them to understand more about Vietnamese culture through the videos. Mm -hmm. That's one of my main goals. Yeah, that's awesome. And that was kind of an idea behind this podcast as well because when I when I go home to the states it's a little frustrating understandable when people are like oh do they have tv out there and like do they have coffee and like all these questions that I'm just like really (laughs) um so yeah like showing people that it's it really is you know, a great place and a developing place. And yeah, there's technology and life happening, creativity happening. So, yeah. Uh, Lam, it's Lam, right? Yes. Lam, Lam, when you think about British people (laughs) or American people, Mm -hmm. obviously there are a lot of Americans in Vietnam now. Mm -hmm. But I guess before it kind of blew up with this whole teaching English, because maybe 10 years ago there wasn't so many foreigners here but now there's so many when you thought about americans i guess where did you get your knowledge of america from and england from good question good question um well one of the like first information that i got is definitely from education and um but the thing is i so when we were studying history back in school there's something like just telling me that what they're saying about Americans and British are not entirely true. Like they portray you guys as some like really bad people that just come here and you know it's just like 
you like savages and you just kill us and rape women and killed everyone and you know and and I'm just like mm, I don't know there's something not true right here so I just grew up with this you know like huge question mark like in the back of my mind and um I was fortunate enough to go study in Singapore for college where I got the chance to, you know, like meet up a lot of foreigners, Americans, British, Canadians, uh, like all around the world. And I just realized, like, hmm, this is not what, what like Vietnamese were taught back in high school and secondary school. This is quite different. And even like I asked my American friends back then, like, what do you guys study about Vietnam? Mm-hmm. Like back in your you know school time, and they, and they told me, and they, oh my god, this is like completely different from what I was taught. Like, so what is true then? And yeah, and then I kind of like dated a lot of Americans, not so much British. <laughs> Sorry. <That's okay>. <laughs> <laughs> and um, well, like I kind of like always joke with Dane. <laughs> Like I don't really like Americans. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Always to my face, she's like, oh, "Fucking Americans!" <laughs> Except for you. <laughs> I feel sorry now for any American that comes on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> after this. <laughs> well, it's not like you know, like blame all Americans because my mindset back then was really different. So you know, I attracted people that share the same, like, similar, like level of awareness, like like I did back then. So. Um, and now it's it's changing, and that's why I I come to across like to meet people like Dana and and many like great friends that who also come from the states, but they're not like the Americans that I met before. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. There's there's definitely different different kinds different kinds of people, obviously. And I think with that, your education about America. Really was you put had question marks over it, but that that was the reason why you had these beliefs. And I think in America, I don't know about the American educational system, but in England, definitely. And I think in America, you kind of talk about Vietnam via the Vietnam War, right? And also, there's a lot of, especially recently in the news, very famously, people from Vietnam trying to illegally emigrate to England or America. And I think. The mix of the Vietnam War and this illegal immigration—it kind of doesn't put Vietnamese people in the most positive light, and that's why I wanted to make this channel to show: hey, you know, Vietnamese people are actually very friendly, very funny, and just normal, regular people, just like me and you. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do something to—if I can change the opinion of ten people—that's fantastic. Because a lot of people don't really know about Vietnam, and when they come to Vietnam, there is a lot of poverty here. But there's also a growing country and a growing economy, and the people, like I said, are very funny, friendly, just nice people. So that's what I wanted to do the channel to reverse that kind of opinion of Vietnamese people. The same way that when you went to Singapore, you met Americans, and you were like, "Hey, you know, that's not what I was taught." Mm-hmm. I wanted this channel to be that same light bulb to people to go, hey, you know, actually, Vietnamese people are really, really funny. And that's what I wanted to do the channel. Mm-hmm. I think what you're doing is really beautiful, and like 
on behalf of Vietnamese, I really appreciate what you're doing. And that's what we really we love, you know, to welcome foreigners to our country because like, you help to bring out like the different perspective about our country to your people back home and all of your friends all around the world. And yeah, like you said, like we're, we're not as like what uh, people tend to think mm-hmm. about, but still there's some people I like that. And with the speed of growing, like at the moment, I have really strong hope that this will change and it will be really soon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's changed. I've been here three years and it's changing. Right. In my three years. And from people who have been here eight years, they've told me even more so they've seen that change. Definitely. And I think with the influx of tourism, um, foreigners, and more exposure on the internet, there are other Vietnamese channels, not just mine, obviously, with exposure to that. And also even popular culture, like I say his name wrong all the time, Suntom NTP. And he did that video with Snoop Dogg. And just small things like that just pushes it in the right direction. Because you have countries like Japan and Korea where they're a bit more ahead in popular culture than Vietnam. And people don't think the same about Koreans and Japanese as they do about Vietnamese. But I think that's changing. And with the internet, we can kind of make that change happen quicker. Yeah. And you know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like pivotal moments. Oh. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, because it sounds like in Singapore, it was that moment where you were like, oh, your beliefs kind of shifted and it opened up your mind to, you know, just so much wider for the rest of your life. Now, now you can never go back to thinking, oh, Americans are only this way and I will never, you know, think anything different. Um, and same for what you're trying to do. It really is like creating these kind of aha light bulb moments where someone sees it and they're like, oh, I never thought about that before. And now I'm going to continue on the rest of my life knowing that. So it's super cool. Exactly. And uh, we'll talk a lot about pivotal moments in our lives. Mm-hmm. But I think everything that I wanted to create has been with the motivation of creating a pivotal moment for someone else because I know how powerful they are. So I guess that's the soppy, cheesy (laughs) um, motivation for everything that I've created is to try to create that moment where someone looks back and they were like, oh, that video was the moment that I realized this or we'll talk about the other products I've got or this like language book, this sticker book was the moment that I did this. Mm-hmm. And that's what I wanted to create. Yeah. And as you mentioned now with the internet, these these moments can happen so much quicker because someone can show their friend like they see this video. They're like, oh, my gosh, that sparked this new idea for me. I'm going to send it to my friend. They send it to their friend and on and on and on. And it just spreads. Um, and I actually had a really funny experience the other day where um, so I'm a podcast manager and i promote my business on Instagram, basically. And I got an Instagram DM from someone interested in my services. They're like, hey, you know, I would love to chat about your services. They sound really great. I'm like, awesome. I took a look at her profile and I noticed all the pictures are of a young, like preteen girl. And I was like, hmm. But I kind of figured, okay, maybe it's one of those 
moms who like only post photos of their kids on Instagram. Like there's no way a preteen girl is messaging me like to, you know, purchase my services. So I send her a little questionnaire, which the questionnaire includes the cost of my services to make sure that like, hey, you know, this is what it costs. Are you okay with that? So that I'm not kind of wasting time talking to people who don't actually want to pay. And uh, I'm still at this point thinking it's her mom or something. (laughs) And I have a discovery call with her. Camera opens up. It's literally like a 13-year-old girl. I was like, oh, hello. Um, And I have my little kind of questions that I go through on all of these calls to get a sense of where the client is at and what they want and what they need from me. And without a beat, without missing a beat, she was, you know, answering the questions. And I was like, wow, this girl is like really legit. And she it was so adorable. Like she has this podcast and she's like, yeah, it's about female empowerment. I just really want to have guests on and encourage other women. Um, she was also like a, a black girl, too. So she was talking about minority and, you know, empowerment for um, black female women. And it was just so cool to see that someone so young had that confidence to be like, yes, this is something that I can do. And I think having more and more content out there like what you're doing, you know, it might inspire a young Vietnamese person to go out there and do something like that. And um, just for any young person, I think it's just, but I was like, yeah, you're going to need to um, give me your parents' email because <laughs> I cannot charge you <laughs> without their permission. Is there is there a law against that? Is there, I, don't I don't know. Yeah. I kind of started Can you freak- take money from a 13-year-old on like, the internet? That's the thing. I kind of started freaking out. I was like, wait, like this is really cute and everything. But And at first I was like, I don't know. I'm not getting involved with a 13. It was so funny because I, I didn't want to... I didn't want to offend her. I was like, you know, maybe she is older and she just looks really young. So I'm like, how am I going <laughs> to how am I going to do this? And and she's like, yeah, so I talk about um, female empowerment and stuff. And I was like, OK, so like what is the what is the age group of your target listener? And she's like, oh, yeah, you know, like 12 years old to 17 years old. And I was like, Okay, and and are you in that age group? <laughs> and she's like, look at me. Of course I am. Yeah. Thinking I'm some twenty-five-year-old woman. Yeah. She's like, yeah, yeah. Okay. I like, I don't know. I I was like, maybe she's at least eighteen. Like, I think that would be okay. But and how are you paying for this? Right. I'm like, do you know how much money that is? <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I I pretty much told her what I could do for her and was like, yeah, I'll, I'll send you this information, but please CC a parent or legal guardian on this email. (laughs) I do think that is fantastic though. And it's one of the great things about the internet is that when we were a teenager, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit older. I was a teenager when the internet was first coming. The idea of having a voice that the world could listen to was just so alien. Mm -hmm. And it is getting younger now. I mean, there is um, there's a massive um, listenership. Listenership? Yeah. Is that the word? Lis- a re- a readership, viewership, listenership. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of listeners out there who are 12, 13, 14. Yeah. 
And so why not have a 13-year-old with a strong voice who can talk to those people? I think that's great. Obviously, there is the element of paying. Right. But I think that the great thing about the internet is that if you are a 13-year-old with these goals, there's nothing stopping you from doing it, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there are people who will be empowered. And if if I could have the pivotal moments I had at 13, at that age, oh, yeah. my God. Exactly. I my know. life would be much better now because oh, yeah. I would have had more time. I believed so many weird and wrong things for so much of my life that if I could have that change younger that's I mean that's only going to be positive exactly I know I was thinking like what was I doing when I was 13 like definitely nothing like that and yeah it, it was kind of a pivotal moment for me in that moment because I of course had preconceived notions about young teenagers like oh they're lazy or they're you know just just so self-involved and only care about themselves and things like that and then here right in front of me is this girl who just like genuinely wants to spread positive messages to other people her age and yeah at first I was like oh I'm definitely not working with this girl like there's no way but then once I got to hear more about why she's doing it and just seeing you know obviously she has a lot of maturing to do and I was kind of looking at the work she's already done for her podcast and I'm like okay yeah there's definitely some improvements that could be made but just the fact that she is starting and she's trying and like she's gonna grow so fast so that I I was like yes I want to be part of her journey as long as her parents are okay with it (laughs) I was yeah I was a little like it's a little concerning that she's talking to strangers on the internet and potentially paying them money but as long as um yeah, her parents are involved. I think it's fine. Do you, do you speak to her parents yet? Not yet. No, oh, okay. not yet. I sent an email um, with my with all the information and just waiting back to hear. So I want to know the end of that story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah me I too. Really do. I'm yeah. interested now. Yes, yes, we will see. Um, so about your other project, this English sticker book. Tell me, yeah. tell us about that. This has been. Over two years in the, in the making. Um, so the idea is there are sticker albums that I had when I was young. And they are sports sticker albums. And you get the album at the start of the new football or soccer season. Mm-hmm. And then over the course of nine or ten months, you have to collect all the stickers and finish the album. And the stickers come in a little pack. Mm-hmm. So it's like... You open the pack, you're like, have I got the ones I want? So I thought, they, we give out stickers in English schools as a reward for good behavior or winning a game. Yep. So I thought, well, what if I created a sticker album in the same mold as the one I used when I was younger, but it's a tool to learn English. So instead of just getting a red sticker, at the end of class, if they behave well, they get a sticker that actually teaches them English. Mm. So I want to create this full circle where even the sticker collection is a language learning tool. So I did, and uh, the book has been made. It's been finished for actually over a year, mm. but there's a lot of red tape, especially within publishing here. Mm-hmm. So it's been very difficult to actually get it to the stage where it's legally able to sell to schools we are at that stage now i've taken it to a few schools but 
uh, I don't know when this will be released, but as we're speaking, it's coming up to Tet holiday. Mm-hmm. And so everything kind of slows down before this holiday. So after the holiday is when I will be approaching the language centers to try and get it into the language centers. Similar to the YouTube channel, I've had a lot of positive feedback with it. But it's just a case of finding a school that will take it on mm-hmm. and believes in the project as well. Mm-hmm. But it's finished. It's been finished for a year. And I've had a very, a very talented um, Vietnamese artist, Estin's Boy, if you want to look it up. E-S-T-I-N-C-E-V-O-I, Estin's Boy. Very, very talented. When I saw his work on Behance, the portfolio website, I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. And so he did the artwork and just it's a really good book. But it is a case of finding the right buyer who will use it in the schools. That's it, yeah. Yeah, no, that's super cool. That's so cool. I'm, I'm excited to hear the end of that story as well. Mm. Um, so I wanted to ask about your master's in psychology, actually. Do you feel like you've used anything you learned from that in anything that you're doing now? Has it translated at all or not really? It's okay if no, because my degree I used for nothing, so... <laughs> Same here. Yeah, it is like when people, when I say I've got a master's in psychology, people are like, wow, that's so interesting. And it is very interesting. (laughs) However, when you are learning psychology, you are learning the information you need to pass an exam. Right. You learn so many names, so many dates. And then after you've done the exam, you have to learn new names and new dates. So a lot of information has lost, has gone. However, I think to study psychology, you have to be interested in people. And that has stayed with me. Not necessarily the information. Someone could tell me a very famous psychology study and I would be like, um, I, I don't remember. I'm sorry. But I got a master's in it. So <laughs> I should be an expert, right? But just too much life has happened that I don't remember this information. But I think the heart of psychology is interest in people. And that, that has always been with me from my whole life. Mm-hmm. So I guess that is stayed. Mm-hmm. But the information has gone. Yeah, and I think so many people will resonate with that, including me, because, yeah, it's the education system these days is obviously all just about cramming and memorizing all the information and, yeah, not so much about critical thinking or things like that. And I think that's the beauty also of YouTube channels and podcasts and things like that, because it's it's a different form of education like it really is it's like life education what we're doing here and again like the younger someone can come across that the better Mm -hmm. what did you guys study i'm curious i studied communications oh so you were using (laughs) i mean like perfect for what you're doing now you say you went to university and then you forgot everything but look at you now i mean a communications major doing a podcast that's perfect yeah, I guess so. It like that's what people tend to say, but in my major it's not like we learned how to do a podcast or I think nowadays at universities they actually are introducing podcasting into the curriculum or it's like part of your final or something to do a podcast. Um so they have majors like that now, but back when I was there it was just so 
it was just basic like more like public relations how to write a press release and things like that so I don't know I guess I did learn something but I feel like there's just so much free information on the internet nowadays that I feel like most of what I learned was just from online courses and just my own research on the internet and Lam what did you study I study interior design oh nice you did did I know that I don't think I knew that. Uh, no, I don't think we ever actually talked about it. <laughs> is it CAD? C A D CAD? Is that the program they use? They used to use. Oh, that. AutoCAD. Yeah. Yes. Oh, CAD is it CAD? Yeah, C A D, right? C A D. Yeah. yeah, the, yeah. The, the the full name is AutoCAD. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Oh my god, I'm still like sometimes have nightmares <laughs> about me like working AutoCAD. It just it just intense. I once got photoshopped into someone's interior design project for their university so there's a picture of me pretending to look at chocolates or something inside some <laughs> fake chocolate shop out there somewhere oh wow yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh wow you you definitely win the award for most like furthest from what your major is of what you're doing today i know like never have i ever like imagined like i could just be doing what i'm doing now yeah it's just so far from what i studied mm-hmm. yeah but i think when you're young you have to do something that you think can get you a job in the future yeah i mean no when when i was i didn't think i was going to be an english teacher but this whole youtube thing i can't as a 16 17 year old thinking about what i'm going to do at university think well i'm going to be a youtuber right you have to do something that you are interested in and you think can lead to something and if you deviate from that path later that's fine but you need to have some grounding in education mm-hmm. i think exactly. if you don't go to university as well that's fine yeah and even you know with technology these days you're future career might not even exist yet in this moment so like i think back when i was in school podcasts were not even a thing they were like not even in in existence so how could i possibly know that i would ever do that yeah it's just radio Mm -hmm. right radio and you have to be chosen to go on the radio you can't just make a radio show yourself Yeah. (laughs) yeah exactly um so Backing up to talking about kind of your your why behind doing all this, and you mentioned before, of course, about wanting to create those opportunities for other people to have these pivotal moments that, you know, shape the rest of your, their life. So in the pre-interview when we were chatting before, you mentioned a story um, from your preteen years, or were you a teenager at that time? Which story is this? Green Day. Oh, Green Day. Yes. Yes. Uh, That is a funny story. (laughs) I was on a school trip to France. And how old were you? I must have been about 14 or 15. Mm -hmm. And I was sat next to my crush on the bus Mm -hmm. all the way to France for 14 hours. Ooh. I know. And so... uh, I don't really remember too much about her. I just remember that I liked her as a 14-year-old. <laughs> but before, I don't really remember what music I listened to before then, but I think it was just regular pop, Spice Girls, yeah, Westlife, uh-huh. all that stuff. Of course. And then she showed me on her little uh, CD player Walkman yeah. back then. Oh, my God. Uh, before iPods, <laughs> she showed me a Green Day album, Nimrod, it's called. And I was like, oh, my God, this music. It's amazing. Like I was like... The first time I really paid attention to rock music. Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, my heart is in rock. From, from that time into, to this day, 
I mean, I've met so many friends through going to sh music shows. So much of my life has been dictated by being part of that culture in the rock culture, especially as a teenager. I kind of found my place in the world with other people who like this music. Mm -hmm. And that all started from sitting next to that girl on the bus and her showing me Green Day. And when I look back at all my influences now, they all stemmed from that moment where I listened to Green Day and I was like, oh my God, this music is great. It's really good. And a funny story about that trip, that same girl uh, who I sat next to on the bus, um, I got to know her a lot over that trip. And then we went up the Eiffel Tower mm. and I'm a hopeless romantic. <laughs> So I thought, you know, we are in the city of love. Going up the Eiffel Tower, I'm a 14-year-old boy. <laughs> I was like, do you know what? I'm, I'm going to ask her out to be my girlfriend on top of the Eiffel Tower. Whoa. This is the most romantic thing that's ever happened to anyone. <laughs> so I ask her at the top of the Eiffel Tower to be my girlfriend. And she says, no. Oh. No, I'm not interested in you. Oh. I think she friend zoned me at the top of it. And then you have to go back down. Yeah, awkwardly and on the bus back awkward. home. Yeah, oh I think I think I got to be to be friend zoned at 14 years old on the top of the Eiffel Tower in the city of love oh. is is a oh heartbreaking God. moment. And maybe that is actually what pushed me towards rock music more. <laughs> I'm like, oh, so I hurt so much. <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah, that, that is a pivotal moment for sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I, I was trying to think of some moments for me as well. And one of them was when I kind of learned how there's, there's no better time than now and that you're never going to be ready or there's never going to be a good time to do something. And I learned that back when I was working at an advertising agency in New York City. And the way that the ad agency life kind of flows is that you'll have this period of working till 3 a.m. for like five days straight and you're just totally burnt out and dead. And then the next week you might have absolutely nothing to do. So it's this weird like up and down, up and down, up and down. And I hated it because in those moments when I'm just sitting at my desk doing nothing and I'm just looking outside at all the people like living their life. And I'm like, this is so stupid. Like I'm just wasting away sitting at my desk for no reason. And there was one day where I was like, what if I just left? Like, would anyone notice if I literally just walked out of here? And so I went home. I was like crying in tears because I was just so angry at everything. Didn't get any emails from anyone. Didn't get any texts like, where are you or anything like that. And I was like, this is so stupid. Like my job is no one would even notice if I'm gone. So why am I here? And it just was kind of in that moment that I was like, I want to be you know, doing something where I know I'm making some kind of impact and it actually matters to people. And the other time was in in one of those weeks where it was just absolutely crazy working. Something that I have always loved to do is playing volleyball. And because of all this work, I hadn't been making time to play volleyball. And it was really like hurting me, I guess. And I was like, well, if I if I set the date and actually pay to join this volleyball club and it's on my calendar, it's on the schedule, 
I have to go. Like, I'm going to figure out a way to make sure that all my work that needs to be done is done so that I can go do this. And it was kind of that learning that, like, if you don't make the time for it, like, it's not going to make the time for itself. So you you have to um, actually carve out that time. And once it's on there, then you're doing it. So that was something I learned. Going back to um, the time where you left work mm-hmm. and you felt that you needed to do something more impactful because no one emailed you. Mm-hmm. If someone had emailed you and said, where are you? Do you think your life now would be different? Mm. Because you said that you, that re- that pivotal moment was because no one emailed you, right? Mm-hmm. And it sucks that no one emailed you, but... In hindsight, it's great that no one emailed you, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. do you think that if they did, you still would have gone down the right the same path? Or do you think your life, is, is that like a fork in the road kind of thing? I think that no matter what, I would have ended up living abroad because, yeah, what I forgot about that story is when I went home, I... I was looking back at my journals, like I journal a lot. So I was kind of like flipping back through um, because whenever I'm feeling super emotional, I just want to be grounded and and look back and see like, I don't know, sometimes it helps me to look back and see what my thoughts were. And there was a whole like consecutive page after page, entry after entry at the bottom. It would be like, I can't wait to live abroad. Like I just can't wait until I live abroad. And I was like, wow, this this dream has been seated in me for years and I've just been putting it off for these reasons, like thinking that I actually am needed at work or something or like they they won't be able to continue on without me. And then it was just that knowing that I did finally just leave and was like, you know what, the world goes on without me there so I can totally leave this job and it's, you know, it's for me. Um I think if someone had emailed me, it probably would have just taken longer. Like I would have gone back and then probably I would have been angry some other day. And then and then finally, you know, yeah. until I broke. So it's always in the cards for you. It was yeah. just that gave you the push right. to do it now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm happy that you left. Yes. And so you can be here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So Lam, did you have a chance to do any thinking about some pivotal moments in your life? Wow. It, it's like, I, I I feel like I have that kind of pivotal moment mm-hmm. pretty much every day yeah. for the past three years. So this is what I do. Mm-hmm. Like, I observe myself and it's kind of like studying psychology and philosophy and spirituality like all together. And um, so when you pay so much attention to that, it tends to happen, you know, like more frequently. Mm-hmm. And but... Mm, so one of the first like profound pivotal moments or in the term that I was taught is it could be called even awakening moment. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's a it's just like a moment where you realize like a little bit of truth about yourself. And it happened back in Bangkok. Mm-hmm. So I was I was staying here in Saigon and it's like so I went to Malaysia back then to visit my ex-boyfriend. And then he broke up with me and kicked me out of the house at 3 a.m. with no money. And his friend gave me money to go to the airport 
it was too close, you know. And so I just had to like sit on the floor and freezing and cry and oh. felt like like what just happened. Still don't know what just happened. And then I came back, and then a week later it's my birthday, and then my dad, we had a fight, and then he. Hit me and kicked me out of the house again. Oh, like wow. two men, like kicked me out, like in just one week, mm-hmm. and I had nowhere to go. So I just like packed up my stuff, and then I just like um, rented a room in 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 District Two back back at that time, and and also back at that time I was a Zumba instructor and PT personal trainer. I thought that was that what I was like meant to do. Um, so my friend, he she was working in Bangkok at that time, and she's like, "Hey, do you want to come over and stay with me? I'm living like in a four star resort, and my company is paying for me because she's working there like years, and she just gets to live there for free. Wow! And she's looking for a PT, and because we were like living together back in Singapore." So she kind of saw me working out, and you know, like with the nutrition and everything, and she trusted me that I could do that. So I'm like, okay, whatever that you know, like can take me off this shithole. Yeah, <laughs> I'm down for that. <laughs> and even when Especially I was actually in a four star resort, like, I know, right? Like twist my arm. Yeah. yeah, but at that time I was like, wow, what? Like I was completely drained. Like all of the energy that just left in me, just like it's just got sucked out. Cause before that, I was like clubbing every day, you know, and really like care about my appearance and really fit with like packs and tone up muscles and like full on makeup and you know, and it, it's just like so exhausting until that moment. And so I came to Bangkok, and she. She worked like sixteen, eighteen hours a day. So most of the time, it's just me alone mm-hmm. at home, and I cooked for her. Like you know, like all I prepare all the meals, you know, with all the calculated proteins and stuff like that. And um, so I just had a lot of time alone, and I saw like on her bookshelf, there's a there were a lot of books, and then there's just something that drawn my eye to that book. Of Osho, mm-hmm. do you know Osho? I do not know Osho. Um, he's like an Indian spiritual teacher. Um, I I don't really agree with all of his like points of view, but there's something there's still some that I could apply onto myself. And so I I just like read that book, and I don't re- really remember what sentence that I saw, but it just like hit me so hard. That I I just like collapsed like on the floor, and then my tear just like came out, and I just like sat there for like hours like in in silence, and I just realized one thing, <clears throat> that I was blaming everybody for my own sufferings, but me, mm-hmm. and that's why I felt so hopeless, so weak, because. I gave away my power to people, and it's not true because I I just like why, what all of these things, not happening to someone else but me. Why am I the one that being kicked out, being abused? Why, but not the the girl next door?、Mm-hmm. Why? 
And this is just not one-time thing. It happens so many times that I could not deny that it has something to do about my own belief system, about my behavior that put me to that moment. And so I literally felt like all of the energy, like the, the, the attention that I was kind of like putting it out there, they kind of like come back. You know, like all of the energy kind of come back to my body, to myself. And I'm like, oh my God, like I'm responsible for all of this, which means I can change. And then I just realized like, Okay, so taking responsibility is not really like making you weak, but it actually makes you much stronger. Mm-hmm. Like you reclaim your power, your inner strength. And it's just like that moment that just kind of like changed my life since then. Love it. And why do you think it's hard for people to take responsibility? It's just about fear, mm-hmm. fear of seeing the truth. That's like for me. Um, that's that's what I'm doing to, to kind of like support people. You know, like it's okay. Just look at the truth. Like I know it's it's annoying, it's painful, but there's no other way but to look at the truth. Even though like you have to admit that you're wrong, that you were ignorant, and you you may still are, which I still am. <laughs> still like surprising like every day like oh my god I cannot believe like how ignorant I am. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah it's it's just like and also um so I read in this book uh this spiritual teacher he said that so we have this innate fear that if we are being truthful we we would be crucified like Jesus or or you know like any like uh figures that were like killed in the past when they like spoke the truth mm-hmm. and people they could not like handle that yeah and yeah like people get assassinated you know right like, so like for it's saying what's true yes it's, it's the same like when you put your videos out there your podcast out there it's your truth you expressing your truth and you have the fear mm-hmm. that people might like judge you and they might like uh crucify you they might stone you to death like that's like deep deep fear inside like i think each of us but that's also like one of the 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 mission that we need to overcome i think in order for us to be like become like fully like um a human being Mm -hmm. you know to take responsibility for our truth to speak up the truth to know the truth is one thing but to be able to live up to that truth every day, oh my God, that is challenging, right? Yeah, very true. Yeah, you lose it every day. I mean, you know, this is something I, I absolutely one hundred percent agree, and it's something that it's very challenging because a lot of your natural instincts tell you to step away from that because it's scary and it's sometimes uh, dangerous. But I think if everyone uh, lived and spoke with the truth within themselves, I think it would be much better. But I think it is so challenging and it's something you have to try hard at every day to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, when, I, when I apply what you just said to thinking back to when I was looking in my journal and seeing like I can't wait till I live abroad, um, 
I think back to the moments where I thought of all the reasons why it's why I can't do it and why it's a bad idea. And, you know, it's always like these outside reasons of like, oh, you know, my parents would be disappointed because, you know, they just paid for me to go to university and now I'm going to leave a, a career and just go teach English abroad, you know, in some random country. And um, yeah, you just start thinking of all these reasons why you can't when really what you're saying is, I won't like you can, but you're choosing not to and you're choosing to blame it on these outside reasons when really like you're the only person holding yourself back. Yes. And when I I visited a friend, um, she was living in South Africa and every day she so she was teaching English out there and and also on the side every day she was just dancing like she started um practicing shuffling it's called it's like that kind of dance style and that's cute yeah and she got so good shout out to jan i love you jan you're good too dana i saw you dance (laughs) um but when i was you know with her so before i came out to see her i would see her posts on instagram and she looked so happy living the life but i'm like "Mm, it's instagram you know everyone just shows the best parts like there's no way that everything is that great and happy and then I went there in person and literally saw and felt how happy she is and of course there were like tough moments there's always you know issues when you're living abroad and kind of dealing with logistics and stuff um but because she was you know living her truth and doing what actually makes her happy um it was worth it in a way and she just kept saying to me like Dana there's nothing special about about me like you can do this too there's no reason why you can't if I can do it you can do it and I was like damn it you're right (laughs) (laughs) and I think that was actually the pivotal moment where literally when I got back home from that I signed up for a TEFL course online Mm. like got certified booked plane tickets told my parents I was like I'm leaving and there's nothing you can do about it and they were like oh god (laughs) what's happening but yeah. yeah yeah it's just like i i listened to this teacher he said like you just imagine you're like a flower and you don't ask people around like okay can i bloom now <laughs> do you like my smell do you like it you don't like it can i bloom now do you have to wait I'll change like, my smell <laughs> no smell you just like a rose you, you just bloom <laughs> and you're being you yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting that for all of us, actually, we came to these truths from someone else actually expressing their creativity when you think about it. Because you heard Green Day, that was their kind of, that was a creative something that someone put out in the world. And for you, someone wrote a book and expressed like their truth. And for me, someone was dancing and living their life, like doing their thing. So. Yeah. I think really that's why it's so important and what I want to do with this podcast and continue to encourage people to not only express their creativity, but also to support other people, other creators doing the same thing and just continuing to uplift each other. Yeah. And I said earlier, um, this podcast is actually the the thing that set in motion my YouTube channel because I I had it in my mind that I wanted to do it for a long time, but I was like, you know, I, why I, why would I create a YouTube channel? You know, I don't really have anything to say myself. And then 
I was on Facebook and I saw on the Vietnam Creative Circle group, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I saw this podcast and I'm like, creators in Saigon, oh, there's like a community out there. I'm very much a community person. When I get into something, I find a community of like-minded voices and I learn from them and I share with them. So I was like, oh, there's this community out there of people in this city doing creative things. And so I listened to the podcast and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe... I could do that myself. Not a podcast, but maybe I could do what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And on your podcast, you had a regular film. And I found them through your podcast. Mm-hmm. And they are the people who will help me film. Yeah. So in a way, the pod- listening to the podcast or finding the podcast and listening to it was the pivotal moment that I needed to give me a reason to do it. And I think, you, like you said, with your journal... Mm-hmm. We always have in the back of our mind what we want, our truth. But sometimes we need someone else's creativity to push us Mm -hmm. into having the confidence that we can live our truth or we'll do the project we want or even confidence in ourselves that we can live the life we want. And your podcast was a pivotal moment for me. I was like, after I listened to that podcast, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to set in motion I'll find a studio, I'll find a camera guy, I'll listen to the podcast with Will. And I was like, okay, this is doable. Mm-hmm. And for me, when I think of a project, there's so many projects I've had, the ideas that I've been like, no, I haven't done it. It's because I can see the path. And listening to the podcast, I was like, okay, well, this is a girl that found her path in the city. Let's do it. Why not? And so that was actually a pivotal moment for me as well. Oh, my heart is so cool. It's just so beautiful (laughs) to hear that. That is so cool to know. I I honestly had no idea that that was how it all connected. I was so surprised when I got to uh, like your thing to film our video and open the door and it's Will. And I was like, what? What are you doing here? (laughs) There's a reason for that. And also, I mean, I'm. I think you were surprised, you were back in the States, but I think you were surprised when I messaged you and said, hey, do you want to be in this video? Because we'd never met. Yeah. I just like, hey, I listened to your podcast and that's it. We'd never met and here I am asking you to be in the video. <laughs> yeah. So it's a bit strange. And it's also, uh, it's a leap of faith when a random guy emails you or messages you and say, hey, do you want to be in this video? Come to this studio at this time. <laughs> yeah. It's a leap of faith to right. actually go to the studio. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for that. But um the reason I wanted to you to be in this video was because I want this to lift up the people in the video. Mm. So if more people watch, if people watch the video and more people click on your podcast, mm-hmm. to me that's worthwhile doing. Mm-hmm. If more people watch the video and go to Relay's comedian page, to me that's worthwhile doing. So I want to lift up the people in the videos, and that was one of the main reasons why I chose you. Yeah. Oh, asked you. Didn't yeah. you? Asked you. <laughs> you are the chosen one. You chosen one. one. <laughs> <laughs> I asked you to be in the video because I thought, well, this is something that could benefit her. Yeah. In terms of more listeners. And also you have a you are a creative person, so I know you're going to be like on board with the project as well. Yeah, totally. Like thank you so much for that. I'm so appreciative of that. And um Millette too, I had her previously on the podcast. She put our episode up on her blog and she's like, hey, you know, just want to get more clicks for you, more more links out for you. And 
I'm I'm always so willing to do that for people as well. Like, yeah, definitely if they are working on any creative projects. Um, we went to Dwee, our editor's um, band's show, and yeah, posted posted about the show, and it's just it's just fun for me, honestly, to see other people um, happy doing what they love doing, and I just want to support that. So that's awesome. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to ask, thinking about you know back when we and you were feeling maybe some doubt like oh i'm i'm scared to put this out there or i don't see the path or something for for someone else out there listening now who maybe has a creative project in mind that they're kind of holding back and they're scared it doesn't have to be someone else out there it's me okay yeah i'm yeah. thinking like i need like really like some pushing from you guys yeah. like both of you because I, I feel like I have so much to give. But yeah, just like everyone else, I have huge fear that I don't know how people is going to like respond to that. And I don't know if I'm good enough. Mm-hmm. Like, who am I, you know, to do this? And just like doing this with you, Dana, and, and seeing you like interviewing with such great people, beautiful souls, Millet and, and John and V. Mm-hmm. It just like makes me want to do the same, but for Vietnamese, mm. like a podcast for Vietnamese, because I have so much to share with them, and I mentoring my clients, and it just like kind of like kind of there's something in me just keeps telling me like do something, like get yourself out there, mm-hmm. but then I'm just like I don't know if I'm ready yet, like I don't know where to start. There's so many things you know to to look at, and I don't know, I don't know. And yeah. it's just like, maybe not yet, maybe not yet. So what's the advice? When you learn to walk, the first thing you do is you stand up and then you put one foot forward. And I think that is what you have to do creatively. You have to do mm. the first step because the first step is the thing that takes you on. And a lot of time it's like when you want to go to the gym and you're sat down watching TV. If you keep sitting down, you're not going to go to the gym. If you stand up, or you leave, you start, you go to the door, you book a grab, you walk, you start walking. That is when you go to the gym. And it's the same creatively is that you, we all have ideas. And if you really want to achieve those ideas, you have to walk. You have to take the steps that you know will do it. And that's it. Mm-hmm. That's it, really. And I think, too, we've been talking so much about how when we put ourselves out there creativity, creatively, Creatively. Creatively. <laughs> oh, I'm getting emotional. Like, English teacher. Tearing up. It's It gives other people permission to do the same. So we just saw here, like, I did this, and then John did that, and probably from his videos, someone else is going to do something. So instead of maybe thinking of it like, oh, how is this going to negatively affect me? Like, what bad things could happen to me? Maybe think about what good things could happen to other people so that it's not putting so much making it so much about you and like oh like I'm so scared and like people are gonna say bad things about me but yeah they might uh and they're probably going to I mean I, I, I even had that moment with my podcast yeah. and you saw me freak out when yeah in a Facebook group someone like you were saying someone said something kind of bad about my guests and I was like a mama bear like <laughs> fuck off like, yeah <laughs> I was so mad so defensive like on the defensive um 
So it will happen. Like you're going to have haters, but again, it's the, the the positive response will be so much more overwhelming than that. Yeah, and I think. If you are planning on doing a podcast about Vietnamese people, just remember that for the one or two voices you have that give you something negative, there are thousands of voices that don't say anything, mm. but they are getting benefits. And not only that, the people on your podcast grow as a, because of being on your podcast. And I always think if you help one person find their truth, that's so more powerful than two people spending 30 seconds to say something negative, right? Mm -hmm. It's so much more, the feeling of like, oh, I don't like this person is fleeting. It goes. Mm -hmm. But the feeling of changing someone's path in their life to be more positive is long lasting. So any negative things that you have in your mind about doing a project like a podcast, just, just do it. Because you're lifting up so many more people than you're putting down. Mm. Oh, that's beautiful. Mm. Uh, for those that that are listening, you may not see it, but I'm kind of like <laughs> crying right now. Because it's it just like so... I just feel so grateful for being here, like in this kind of energy field um, with such like two beautiful people. And it's so inspiring me and... I can see that like we we're like on the same path, like doing the same thing. Like mm-hmm. we want to serve people, and um, also like this is like me of like living an example of being truthful, being vulnerable with your emotions, and not try to disguise it or to you know just to be tough when you don't really feel tough. So just be you, be real, and so you will attract like real people like John and Dana here. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for your advice. I definitely will, would start doing it. Yeah. I mean, I can't listen to it because I have no idea what you're saying. (laughs) But I will will support you. you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I guess there's no way to subtitle a Vietnamese podcast. That's a shame. I know we've we've like chatted about that before, where she would have to translate, and I just don't think that would oh, no, I, that yeah, wouldn't come across well. Um, one thing about my videos is I don't speak much Vietnamese, mm-hmm. and obviously that video is in Vietnamese. I edited the video, so I have to rely on my girlfriend Tao to translate everything, mm-hmm. and so it's uh, it's a difficult process, especially when you are trying to reach people with different languages. But it's a stepping stone. There's always ways around it. With a podcast, I don't know so much, but there's always ways around it to reach the audience you want to reach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you took the first step. Yeah, yeah, the first step. The first step is the hardest and yeah. it's the most important mm-hmm. yeah. because it sets you in motion. And I think what you said about um, there are so many people who are being positively impacted, but they're, they're not saying anything. Um, I think that's such a great point too because I wanted to say that you know, I, I always ask on this podcast for reviews and like comments and shares and things like that. And I just want to say it's not like for vanity purposes of like, oh, I just want like more likes or something. It's it's literally more about help. Like I can only do so much to promote this podcast and put it out there by myself. But the more that people share and show their friends, it just creates more and more opportunities for those pivotal moments and 
I know maybe someone might be like, oh, you know, what does my comment, my one comment do? Like, actually, it means so much to me. So just it know does. that, like, it really, yeah. really helps because, you know, it kind of hurts when you put, <laughs> you put, like, so much effort and pour your heart into it. And then it's like crickets chirping when you put it out there, you know? I think yes and no. I mean, there are so many people on YouTube who upload and maybe they get 50, view, 50 views. Mm-hmm. But that's 50 people who have watched exactly. you and you don't know one of those people right. you might have sparked something in. Mm-hmm. And that's worth it. Totally, totally. Yeah, that's what I always tell my clients too is because they, they're like, oh, I just, how do I get 2,000 downloads? You know, I'm only getting, I'm only getting 60 downloads or whatever. I'm like, that is, imagine you were in your house having a house party and 60 people were in your house. They showed up. You, like, made this dinner for them, whatever. Like, that is a lot of people. Yeah, like, imagine, you say you do a podcast, right, and 60 people download it, and you think, oh, you know, 60 people, it's yeah. nothing. Yeah. Okay, well, you go on stage and speak in front of 60 people right, right now, and you're like, oh, no, that's too many right, people to exactly. speak in front of, right? Mm-hmm. So on one side, yeah, 60 people, you don't think is enough, but at the same time, if you were talking to 60 people, you'd feel like, wow, I did something amazing today. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Um, I think we can wrap up now, unless okay. I, I I could. Oh, well, how long have we been going? Let me see. What time is it? I could do this forever. Yeah, we can do this for hours. I know. Oh, right? What time is it now? Twelve thirty twenty-seven. Oh, no. It's yeah. been like an, an hour, hour and, and th- yeah, an wow. hour. Yeah. Yeah. I oh. I want to ask. Um, I totally understand why you podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's so One, fun, right? Like, I like the way it sounds in my yes. ears, but also like. <laughs> It's really cool. Yes. Really cool. Yes. It's so fun, right? Um, I want to ask that last question that was originally, what is your message for the world, but Mm. is now, what is maybe the biggest lesson or takeaway that um, you've had so far in all of your pivotal moments? Um, That is also a difficult question. (laughs) The one lesson I've had. (laughs) Or a lesson. A lesson, an important lesson I've had. Um, I guess, I guess it, it's it's in line with what we've been talking about. Is that when you create, it's difficult. Like for myself right now, every spare second I get, I'll click on my uh, YouTube studio and see how many views I've got, mm-hmm. and I'll try and get more views on it. But to know that when you create. The reason you're creating is not for yourself. The reason you're creating is to lift up the people around you and to give someone a pivotal moment. Yes. And that is the most important. And that is the reason why we create. Obviously, we all have vanity. Obviously, we want more people to download or to watch our stuff because it makes us feel good. Like if 5,000 people watch my video or 50 people watch my video, I'm going to feel different. But at the same time, the heart of it is to try to inspire other people to live their truth and to try to be that push, to push someone into a situation where they can do something more fulfilling for themselves. And I think that's the, me- that's the biggest thing I've learned is that I'm happier when I, ha- I am in a position to influence other people, whether it's teaching, whether it's a YouTube video, when I was working in England at a bank and I went to work and I went home 
I didn't feel like I was inspiring anyone. And so I didn't feel happy. So happiness comes from lifting others and creativity is probably the best way to do that. So if you have a project that you want to do, do it because you are in a position where you're lifting people and that will make you happier. That is an amazing note to leave this on. Thank you so much, John, for joining us. It has been so fun. I know me and mom have really enjoyed this. Yeah, yeah definitely. I have enjoyed it. And definitely, like, love that last answer. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. And please, if anyone out there ends up doing some kind of creative project after hearing this episode, please let us know, you know, as we've been talking about this whole time. It's just so it's fun to know these things and it feels good. And we want to continue to inspire others and have those pivotal moments. Uh, so thank you guys so much for listening. Again, if you want to leave feedback, any comments, that's amazing too. And we'll see you next time. Bye.